Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener, your host, Ken Lane, here every week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona. Ah, isn't it nice to relax this weekend? Independence Day weekend, the 4th of July. Uh, We're planning a a small gathering of family. Uh, I think that's all we got. There's always friends that seem to show up randomly, but basically it's just my brother, my sister, their spouses, and Lisa and I. Kind of fun to get together. I don't get to see them very often, so... Uh, that'll be very nice. Backyard barbecue, lots of spacing on a big patio, and it just feels good to be outdoors. The fireworks, I'm overlooking the Dells, so in Prescott, the uh, fireworks are going to be shot out over over by the Dells. I, I can usually spot a couple different, I can sometimes see over the ridge and see Chino Valleys. I'll see Prescott's. Sometimes over Glassford Hill, I can see, if, if Prescott Valley puts their... Uh, Big fireworks into the air. It uh, you can see those as well over over Glassford Hill. It should be just a delight. Uh, this getting ready for backyard barbecues. Uh, there's a couple things that I'm doing right now in my gardens uh, that are going to make a difference. You're coming into the rainy season already. The monsoons are hitting south. It's, Tucson is being, getting rain. Then you see it hook up towards uh, the White Mountains, New Mexico, that area. We're shortly behind that. So once southern Arizona starts getting rain, we are right behind it. You need to do a couple things that will make a big difference in your landscape for your plants. So this goes for new landscapes or well-established landscapes. The same principle applies. The rainy season or the monsoon season is a real boon for your for your landscape. You can actually have a second growing season uh, out, out in your landscape. If you've got a brand new landscape and it's kind of looks a little, it looks new. It just doesn't look mature. You want it to grow a little bit more. Oh, this is a great opportunity. If your plants have gotten wind damage, leaf torn, bug damaged, I forgot to water, so the tips are brown. Just if there's any stress at all, this is the next week or two is important uh, to do a couple garden tasks. So here's what I was doing in my own backyard, front yard, my my landscapes. Um, one, a lot of the perennials have been blooming; they've been beautiful. So the ceanothus, uh, the uh, meadow sage, yarrows are stunning right now. Oh my goodness, uh, Jupiter's beard. Or, um, or Centranthus. These are all plants that have been in bloom. Uh, uh, I've got uh, Catmint. Boy, I could go on and on and on. If it was in bloom and now it's just got just barely any color, it's mainly got spent flowers. If you'll go through the first part of July and deadhead or or thumb prune or pick off those dead flowers, it goes from roses, you rosarians, you know this is this is how you get roses to really rebloom pulsating waves of color. Take that dead spent flower off so that plant cannot focus on making seed. I just took my head shears and I hedged them right down, right not right to the ground, but right back to the foliage. And then I took a little of the foliage off. And so and then I'm fertilizing them with all-purpose plant food. If you do that 
and the rains come within, oh, by the end of this month, you're going to have, I mean, all another, whole nother spring. It's going to look like spring again, all over again. Maybe even better because you've got more uh, plant mass now. So more sage is showing. This goes for your herbs. Uh, so I've been cutting back my cilantros, uh, lavenders as, as they get spent, uh, all of those things, all, all, all your roses, your perennials, uh, not so much blooming shrubs, but it does help to clean those up. If you'll go through your tomatoes, pick off those uh, ugly leaves, bruised leaves, dotted leaves, curled leaves, anything that looks damaged, peppers the same way, anything in the garden, anything damaged, and fertilize it right afterwards. The rains are coming, and if you set the stage with clean them up, fertilize them, oh, you can double the amount of growth that you'll see on those plants in, those, in the landscape. This is really important for shade trees, fruit trees, uh, the, these, especially with their, their immature. You want to get more size, more girth out of them. Another little secret is uh, plants that are stressed, anything that looks like it's struggling. So my strawberry patch, it got a little dry. I should have been more aware. It's a big patch. It's the lower end of the property. I just wasn't looking that that closely. And so I took a hose to it. But before I took the sprinkler heads and just kind of gave it a little supplemental watering for, for, for now, um, I gave it some Humic, H-U-M-I-C. It's put together by Natural Guard. It's humic acid is actually the name. They got a play on humic acid, humic. Um, it helps plants to reroute, to grow additional roots. So if they've been stressed, they were overwatered, underwatered, wind whipped, any kind of stress, you give it the fertilizer and you give it humic at the same time. Wow, those plants just take off, and you can get past this uh, damage that might have been that might have happened. It helps with gopher damage, grub damage, or more than likely, it's just dry damage. You just, it was really dry and hot in June. It always is. And the rains are coming, but it just, uh, it was dependent on that irrigation that might not have been quite enough. And so you could supplement water a little bit through through June. That helps. I kind of, that's what I do. And then uh, when the monsoons come, I'll, I'll throttle everything back because then the rains, afternoon, you get at least one or two afternoon rains coming in towards the evening in July, August, September. So the pressure's off. So that's that's some things I've been doing in my own gardens that is, it, it made the made the landscape look better to me instantly. I just look, clean up all those dead flowers, uh, the spent flowers on top. The foliage looks good, but all those dead flower stalks coming up looks a little rough. You can cut back your iris. You can cut back those daffodils, the tulips, anything that's got a spent flower. You can cut that back, fertilize it, and many of them will come back into bloom for you over and over. If you want to get more growth out of your junipers, out of your maples, aspens, birch, oaks, locusts, fertilize them now. They will actually, we're coming into a growing season that will be a game changer. This is hard for you folks from the Midwest where you just, you don't fertilize very much. And then we just, you don't have this dry and then wet, dry and then wet. It's just always humid and often wet. And so here we, we take advantage of the seasons as they, as they change or, or modify for us. 
And most of our moisture from the mountains of Arizona happen the mid-July through September, pretty much. I mean, you can, you can count on two to three inches of rain per month in those three months. It's just uh, the amount of rain you get in June, a quarter inch. It's, I mean, it's nothing. That's the historical 100-year average, like a quarter inch. July is like two and a half. August is like three. It just, that's, that's, you just get all this moisture coming in. Not just the moisture, but the humidity goes up. There's cloud cover. The plants can, I mean, if you're sitting out there in your yard, no hat, no shirt, just your skivvies and, and in the full sun, and you get no break, no umbrella, you can't put a poncho, you can't do anything. You just have to stand out there in the sun. That's going to beat on you after a while. Well, your plants are just like people. They're a little more robust. They've got their roots down the soil. As long as there's some moisture, they can sort of keep up, but it's hot out there. And not every plant can take that. So some of your shade-loving plants have been a little stressed. My, my hydrangeas and my Japanese maples. They were showing some heat stress. So they're on the north side. They get lots of shade. They're not exposed that much. But what I did for those, I, I cleaned them up the same way. And then I spritzed the foliage with wilt stop. Wilt is in, I'm wilting, and then stop. It's a liquid. It's, it's a reconstituted pine tar. Basically, it's an organic product. It, 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 you spray it on the foliage. And it makes it look really glossy and pretty and new. But basically, it locks in the moisture. So now the plant can take more dry, more... If, if your plants are wilty a little bit, give it wilt stop, and thus the name. And it will stop wilting. It's a game changer for some of those shade-loving or stressed-out plants. For me, I find that my hydrangeas, uh, gardenias, and my Japanese maples really like wilt stop. Lisa Waters Lane coming in the studio right after this. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Waters Garden companion plants for July are hibiscus, purple verbena, crepe myrtle, and sensation maples. Sensation maples grow fast. The spring leaves erupt with soft reds that quickly mature to a refreshing green for summer-long shade. Autumn, it unleashes a brilliant display of red leaves. Where this maple really shines is in the areas with challenging garden soils. The picture-perfect tree to line driveways or shade a patio. You'll only find sensation maples here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Some things are just better together. July is the best time to fertilize with all-purpose plant food from Waters. But pair the all-purpose with humic acid and it's a one-two punch of garden power. Humic acid gives your soil organic matter that helps plants' roots receive water and nutrients. So it makes fertilizer work even better. Like salt and pepper. Coffee and donuts. And hey, you and me. Aw, thanks Ken. All-purpose plant food and humic acid, better together, and only at Waters Garden Center. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener, green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. And we are back in the studio with Lisa Waters Lane. She comes each week with your garden questions just what are your neighbors talking about? What are people, we see the trends here at the Garden Center. Uh, like this week, it was uh, 
spider mites coming in. <laughs> or what was that funky one you had? It had a spider and scale. Oh, it all had on scale the... on it. It had the um, the fuzzy scale. I forget the exact name of it. But they had a spider eating the scale. It was weird. All on one sample someone yeah. brought in. It was spooky. We <laughs> throw, gotta... throw that under a microscope. Yeah. It'll give you nightmares <laughs> for a while. So you get to see the... the the waves of, of what people are asking for. So that's what this is meant to help. And so Lisa is my better half. We're business partners, raised four kids in the garden center together. And uh, we've been doing this radio show for, I don't know how many years, decades. So a long <laughs> time. So in each week, okay. well, it's easy to come up with garden questions in July because yeah. everyone's asking. True. In January, it's a little bit harder, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a tough one. It's more houseplant related. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we do have a variety of questions this week. First one is from Janet. She has some very large roses that she would like to trim back, but she wants to know, can she trim them this time of year? Um, no. Okay, so Janet. Wait. Just yeah. take your time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so you can trim up to 10% of the foliage mass anytime you want. But if it's a really big one overgrown, let's say it's Mr. Mm-hmm. Lincoln and it's 10 feet tall or um, they're just some really big ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best time to prune roses in the mountains of Arizona, the best time is in the month of March. March is your time. You whack them back up to a third, maybe even a half. Uh, if it's really overgrown, it may take a couple of years, couple of seasons to really get it back and keep it healthy. You could cut it back now. But it would go into so much shock, you're at high risk of losing it. If it's just really irritating you, take a bumper and a chain and just rip it right out. Or wait until March to 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 really give it a real good trim. That's that's okay. be my recommendation. But she could trim, like if she had a wild hair branch going oh, yeah. off, you can trim that. Oh, yeah. You and just don't want to do extensive. Yeah, trimming. 10% is, that's a wild hair. Just mm-hmm. give it a haircut. Get rid of all the suckers that grew since mm-hmm. this last spring. Those are all 10%. Okay. But 30 40%, that's a lot. That's like taking that baby back from six feet down to, you know, Two, three, four feet, right, or right. a ten footer down to you mm-hmm. know five, six feet, which sounds like where she wants to go. Yeah, yeah uh, so. when you get done, fertilize it with the all-purpose plant food or with the rose who was systemic, and uh-huh. watch it take off. You can almost count on it. About forty-five days later, it will be in bloom, just like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Rob has a question. He's out in Prescott Valley. He has a five-year-old maple. The newer leaves that have grown this year have turned bright yellow. Uh-oh. He waters uh, every third day, and he's been using a 16-16-16 fertilizer on it. But he wants to know, what can he do to green it back up? Robert, you should come in and see us. <laughs> so we don't sell 16-16-16s here at the Garden Center for a reason. Uh, it probably doesn't have enough iron, magnesium, boron, copper, or just plant downright food. So it sounds like a combo of things. It's a threefold item. One, overwatering doesn't need water every three days. A maple, a five-year-old maple, it should be able to go once a week. So you've flooded, you've leached all of the nutrients out of the soil, and it's suffering. Not only that, but you replace the nutrients with alkalinity. So the the pH of the soil has crept up to, I'm guessing, seven, five, eight, nine. Mm -hmm. The book says six to 6.5 is ideal. If it goes above seven and a half, it starts to turn yellow. Mm -hmm. 
And so folks will come in and buy iron, which is good, that's fine, uh, but really you need to get that pH down. So for, for Robert, what I would do, if you have any yellow leaves, any, any yellowing of your plants, I don't care if it's just a maple or aspen, whatever, Put come in and get a 744, since he's quoting numbers. It's a organic fertilizer we put together here. We put it together here for our plants because this is a common problem. So we took the nutrients and then we added a bunch of sulfur, which lowers the pH. We added a bunch of iron, which helps it to green up. We added a bunch of magnesium, which helps it to bring out. So we put all this good stuff in a bag that plants that local plants like. But in addition to Roberts, I would also give it some humic, H-U-M-I-C, humic. It's humic acid. It'll help it. It'll help it root deeper, and it will it will take that pH and lower it even more. Humic acid, acid. We want to make it more acidic, and within probably a month, you'll start to see new growth. The leaves that are there will green up some. Mm-hmm. Some of those really yellow leaves will just drop off. There's no way to correct it, but all the new growth, if you do this, will come out green. You have new new foliage. I think that's the ticket. So fertilize now with 744 and Humic in mm-hmm. Prescott Valley especially. Change is watering. Change your water. And yeah, water once a week. No more. Mm-hmm. Okay. Our next question is from Don. He needs a uh, large shrub or small tree for a spot that does not ever get any sun. Wow, that's unusual for the mountains. <laughs> wow. Must be in the pines or something yeah. or, or got a big house big in the north house, side maybe, or something. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that one's actually more of a challenge than 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 not. Right. So shade trees that grow in the shade. shade. I mean, hard shade. <laughs> uh, so Japanese maple, this is the place where these things shine. That's a yeah. great one for there. Uh, there's lots of different varieties. I would say stay away from the cut leaf Japanese maples. This is... You folks in California, you know you know Japanese maples. You grew them expertly. Yeah, but there it was cool, it was low elevation, high humidity, and they did well. We do better in the mountains where they, the lace leaves have more of a real heavy cut, lacy mm-hmm. uh, node to it. Here we do better with the traditional maple-looking leaf for a, for a Japanese maple. They're rather sensitive to dry, mm-hmm. and they're sensitive to wind, they're sensitive to sun. Well, <laughs> not a very good plant for you. <laughs> no, it's very limited space, but, but Don's got the perfect place yeah. for it. So look at that. Another one I would say you could you could go with would be one we have in our yards. It's get some sun, but it's pretty hard shade would be magnolia. Mm-hmm. There's a hardy southern magnolia. It's evergreen. It's a little bit smaller than your traditional southern, tr- you folks from the south, right. you know, magnolias yeah. are huge. This one doesn't get that big, right. but the flower is the same size, same mm-hmm. fragrance, and it will take quite a bit of shade. Uh, some other shades, uh, um, Hicks U. Mm-hmm. We've got some Hicks U on the north side of a two-story house at our house. Right. Does fabulous. It's mm-hmm. amazing. So we've got an entire... Uh, shade section here at the garden center. Right. Come take a look. It's probably worth perusing and see which shrubs. Hollies, there's some larger hollies mm-hmm. that you can grow here. Mm-hmm. Uh, rhododendrons can get quite large. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants a rhodi. Yeah. But they don't like the sun, they don't like the wind, and they don't like the, they just don't like it here. Sure. Except in the shade where they really shine. And so they can get up easily six, seven, I've seen even eight footers that are wow. established. Okay. And in full bloom, that's one that 
bright color mm-hmm. of flower in the spring. So that's that's some good choices. You, you can you can have great looking plants in the shaded areas. Uh, Akuba, oh, yeah. if we have any of those, mm-hmm. so that's uh, a bright yellow flower. We've got some planted underneath our junipers. Mm-hmm. Looks fabulous. Yeah, it does. It does. All right, let's see if we can get another quick one in. So Elise has been watering her lawn two times a day, but she has grass drying out in circles, and she wants to know what could be the problem. It's not the water, I can tell you that. (laughs) So water. So twice a day is a little bit of a problem, unless it's a brand new lawn. I don't think you should be watering twice a day. I think I'd take all that water and give it once a day, early, early, early in the morning. Lawns, you really want that lawn to stay dry going into the evening. So Lisa has one of two things. It's either grubs. Grubs can give you brown spots in the lawn, but generally they're irregular. So there's a white worm underneath the lawn eating the roots off. And so you'll see these dry patterns. If it's a circle, like she's describing, I'm kind of guessing a little bit without seeing it. Uh, but it's probably a a fungal thing, so it's a it's a leaf spot. So we've got some some sprays you can put on there. I'd say fertilize it with the all purpose food. I'd even give it the humic and then spray it with revitalize mm-hmm. right away, or this thing will grow till the pattern becomes so large and it will multiply. You have multiple circles in there, and it can kill off large sections of that lawn. Mm-hmm. Cut back on the watering, let it go dry during the evening, and then put revitalize on it that's your solution and then fertilize there you go okay great questions this week folks hey we'll be right back ken elisa lane the mountain gardeners you're listening to ken lane aka the mountain gardener ken can be found throughout the week in prescott at waters garden center Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Water's garden companion plants for July are hibiscus, maple, purple verbena, crepe myrtle, and pentas. Pentas are a butterfly magnet with super sweet nectar produced in starry flowers on 12-inch stems. She loves heat and wind with minimal care to keep the flowers coming. The large clusters of vibrant star-shaped flowers are stunning in pots and raised beds. A superb flower that outperforms others as long as it's hot. You'll only find heat-hardy pentas at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. I hate weeds. Monsoon rains are so refreshing, even my landscape comes alive. But so do my weeds. Stop weeds in their track in one simple step. Water's weed and grass stopper spreads like fertilizer. It kills weed seed before monsoon rains allow them to sprout. No need to weed. It's safe for trees, even flower beds, and so much safer than that toxic waste the big box sells. Weed and grass stopper. It's just $24 and only found at Water's Garden Center in Prescott. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. Now my irrigation system, I've got, uh, let me think here, four, five, I've got nine valves if I include the front yard and the backyard, it's two irrigation boxes. One clock runs two boxes, one in the front yard, one in the backyard. And uh, it's about 15 years old, and it needed some maintenance. I maintain it every year. I give it a tune-up. But the trees, when I put them in, were quite small, and now they are quite large. 
and some of the roots had gotten into the root system, into the uh, irrigation system, clogged up a couple lines. And so I'm in there cleaning that up. I bypassed that line. So I had to pull the irrigation box off and I had to relay some pipe up against a fence line. Anyway, it's, here's a garden hack that really helps you with irrigation. Or here's what I found. Irrigation is not about being installed correctly. If you're, if you're just trying to get water out there to your plants and that's it, that's fine. That's a good short-term solution. But really what you're thinking about with irrigation is there is going to be maintenance. You will need to tune the thing up. You will need to expand, add uh, drip heads and get breakage and pack rats will eat off heads and things will break. And you just want, it's all about maintenance. It's about easy access when it does break in three, five, 10 years from now. And so I've, I've learned this many years ago. So well, I had to pull the irrigation box. That's that cover that's over top four valves that were in the ground. Pull it out just so I'd have easy access. Didn't wasn't a, wasn't a real hard deal, but got in there, fixed everything, powered it up, tested it. And then here's the hack that I'm giving you. When you put that box back in there, don't put trash in there. Keep the keep everything clean. Um, don't cut off extra pipe. Don't don't take tape or glue or and throw it into the into the work hole. Keep it clean because if you got to go back in there, those a little piece of pipe can fool you. Going, oh dang it! I thought that was it. It's just a piece of trash that you buried in the yard. I keep things very clean. Second, as I'm backfilling, I don't just add the native earth and pack it around that irrigation fix, around the box or a lid or something. What I did is I actually want something that's very easy to dig in, very easy to get to, very easy to maintain. So I actually put a bag of mulch, premium mulch. I had two bags. I always have a bag of mulch and a bag of potting soil in my yard just because I'm a gardener. I'm going to need them. I just always have a bag laying around. And so I'm going, what do I have that'll sand would be great, but I don't have that. I uh, soil. So I threw a bag of, I put, set the irrigation box down, then I threw a bag of mulch, and then I threw a bag of potting soil on top of that. Potting soil is a little overkill, but it's what I had. It cost me a couple extra bucks. That's okay. Then I took my extra native dirt and spread it out around and, and, and had the, the surrounding soil level with that lid that's in the ground. What that does for me is if I have to ever have to go back in there again, and I will, uh, to maintain the manifold or to clean out uh, uh, filters, whatever. If I get a break, it's very, very easy to get in there almost with a hand trowel and dig out around that to go in and maintain and work around and fix around that all that hardware. If you put the native earth, that's solid clay back in there, you can need like a pickaxe and a digging bar and, and a jackhammer just to get around your box. And then you're at great risk of breaking a valve. If you break off that manifold, that's uh, what they call that mechanism underneath the ground. It's where all those valves are coming off. If that breaks, it's easily a two, $300 fix. I mean, minimum, usually it's 50 to 70 bucks per valve. And then, then you have to actually put the manifold back again. Once it, once it breaks, you can't just replace it. Usually it's glued and put together. Just that helps me maintain things. I do that when I've got a major elbow, a big T going out. I'll just, I'll just take a few handfuls of mulch or topsoil, 
backfill over top of that and all of a sudden it's very easy to find it just loosens up that soil of course we're doing that for plants for trees and shrubs because we want the roots to be able to get through the soil but it also works for the gardener if we need to get through the soil to get to those parts it's much easier with a heavily amended or sandier or heavily mulched type of of soil than just packing that hard clay back in there anyway just something that I do myself that has really been a game changer for me over the years. Uh, that, and I ran into a couple daffodils as I was digging up around my, my uh, irrigation box, and then I reset them. If your daffodils, now they've, they've already bloomed, they were back in March, they've died, not really died, but they've laid down on the ground, the top has died back, and now it's laying dormant. This is a great time to dig those up and reset them. Daffodil bulbs, tulips, crocus, all your spring-blooming bulbs benefit from being dug up and then reset every three to four years. And so I ran into these. I ran into maybe a dozen of them. And so then I separated them, pulled them out, and then I re reset them out into the gardens in groups of three. Uh, bulbs, flowers always look better in threes. I just put three clusters of threes around my garden, and next spring... They'll be beautiful. And so, and you can do the same thing too, even if it's not digging up around your irrigation box. If you just have, have tulips and daffodils you want to dig up and reset, now is the time to do that before the rains come this summer. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations, guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. In a new place, it's difficult to know who to trust, how to get help at the house, and which nursery will simply do what they say they'll do. At Waters Garden Center, we're here to help, in the landscape at least. Our team of plant ambassadors know your neighborhood, the plants that add color, increase privacy, and add fragrance and beauty. And we can show you exactly how to plant locally, or we have teams to do all the work for you. We are Ken and Lisa Lane, and we guarantee our plants will live up to every promise here at Waters Garden Center. Waters Garden Companion Plants for July are maple, verbena, crepe myrtle, and rose of Sharon hibiscus. Rose of Sharon is a mountain hardy hibiscus with anemone-like blooms. Each stem of this hardy hibiscus is packed with buds. She makes a beautiful informal hedge or screen and is easily trained into small trees. Available Prescott colors show in blue, purple, white, red, and pink for years of enjoyment. You'll find breathtaking hibiscus here at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding with a few of Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. And we're back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She's got uh, this whole segment's all about her tack, her, her view of gardening. You get 11, 12, 15 gardeners in a room, you ask them a garden question, you're bound to get a multiple of two or three. You'll get 20 answers back because there's <laughs> always more than one way to tackle oh, a sure. garden problem. Mm -hmm. So it's good to have, and we've got rather nice, I would say maybe even more than nice, maybe over the top gardens. And so it's a tag team affair that we kind of, it's an affair, you and I. I saw you working out there yesterday in there. You were, you, you were doing a lot. Out Just there. Trimming back the deadheading, fertilizing. I, I, I want to take advantage of this rain coming. So you mm. can see it. It's right there in Tucson. Tucson's getting hammered. Really? And so it's it, it'll come this way within a week, just a few days. 
So all we need is one good push, and the rains will come here in the mountains. And so I want to get the gardens ready for that. So okay. they were looking a little dogged, yeah. kind of overgrown. Mm-hmm. So I didn't change the garden. I just cleaned them up and then fertilized them. Okay. And then took care of bugs. And the party this weekend, yes. you don't want a bunch of flies, <laughs> ants roaming around, mosquitoes. No. So I just kind of hosed down the yard with multi-purpose insect spray. Took down, a, just got rid of the dark spots and then hosed them down with the bug killer and We'll have a great party this weekend with the family that is on true. the backyard barbecue. That'll be fun. Celebrating the Fourth of July. Fourth of July. Watching the watching the uh, fireworks from the deck. Hopefully, hopefully wish we can the, see them. <laughs> wish the grandkids were here. I I'd know. take them up on the roof. Yeah. We'd throw. Uh, we'd have sparklers on the roof. We'd try. That's yeah. <laughs> that's, maybe that's not right. I don't think that's a good idea. But <laughs> if, if their mother would allow us to do. That. <laughs> if their grandmother would allow. <laughs> okay, we'd at least teach them how to spit off the roof line. <laughs> <laughs> or not? Oh my goodness! I yeah. I, I, um, I bury Indian arrowheads whenever the kids come out in the yard. You get them from Amazon; they're cheap. Get a bag of a hundred for like twenty bucks. And I go bury them. I probably have hundreds of them out there, but <laughs> after a season or two, you can't find them anymore. Start get buried, and, yeah. and you got to have some that are that are difficult to find for the ten year old. You got to have some that are. A little easier to find for the six-year-old. You have some that are just right in your face for the two-year-old. Mm-hmm. And so they all love it, though. So, oh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. They do love our yard. But yeah. unfortunately, they're not here. But nope. we're having other family up for the forest. So it'll be good. It will be good. Yeah. So what do you got for us this week? Well, speaking of yards and enjoying your yard, um, we need trees in our yard to make it much more enjoyable well, that's true boy it's the sun is so intense this time of year <laughs> oh it is a tree takes it lowers the temperature by 15 20 degrees it's oh yeah it's dramatic trees are definitely um i think a necessity for our yards whether it's front yard backyard i mean they just do so much for your yard you're right they help cool your house um they can help break the wind uh, they can help with your heating costs because they're giving you protection. They help with wildlife. If you like birds yeah. and those type of things in your yard, you better have some trees or you're not going to have birds. We there. have so many birds in our yard, but we've got our house. We've been in it for maybe, what is it, 15, 16 years? I forget. Mm-hmm. It's been, we've been in our house so long, I've forgotten how long we've been in our house. It's a long time. Yeah, it's, it's not too long when you're with your favorite gal. Aw, thanks. Honey. So anyway... Um, in the morning, about 5 o'clock, they start chirping about 4.30, 4, quarter, yeah. just before 5. And by 6, it is such a ruckus because yeah. they're not out jumping around yet. They're just singing, kind of mm-hmm. waking up, having a cup of joe, kind of just <laughs> waiting to see how things are going to go. Yeah, And then all of a sudden, it quiets down about 7 mm-hmm. or 8. It's pretty much you'll right. hear some birds, but it's not a chorus. Right. But it's all about the trees that tr- mm-hmm. we've planted for the birds. Oh, definitely. And they love those trees. We've mm-hmm. got water for them, but the trees are what brought bring them in. Definitely. And the trees also help with water quality. So when we get that rain, you know, and yeah. the, it goes through the roots, and it also allows for less runoff, less erosion. Uh, it allows water to go back into that groundwater. So very, very important here. And the other thing, I read an article, it's from uh, Texas A&M University, and they showed in laboratory research, visual exposure to settings with trees has produced a significant recovery from stress oh, within sure. five minutes. And that's oh, indicated by changes in blood pressure and muscle tension. So, wow. 
You know, who would have guessed? I know. Is it the shade, or is it coming in contact, or is it seeing the they green, just or visual? visual? Visual, just seeing a tree yeah. is good enough. Right. Look out my window. Yeah. Drink a sparkling <laughs> water and watch the trees, so, and I'll be less stressed. For all of those that are stressed and just kind of tired of all the ugh that's yeah. been going on, go plant a tree and just go watch it. You know, another thing I saw, too, uh, they've got some science that shows that trees reduce crime. Because if you've got trees in the yard, you're outside enjoying the shade. You're just outside Uh, more. more. If you're outside more, crime is reduced. Yeah. Another super interesting, I've not verified this. I haven't seen the science, but I saw it was Mm -hmm. a scientific report. But they're showing that they found that trees have a heartbeat. Not a heartbeat, but a, a beat. Like a circulatory. It's really slow, but it actually goes really uh, about every three or four or five minutes, depending on the size You're of the tree. My leg. No, no, I'm serious. <laughs> I think it's pushing up. If you ever watch a tree make a cut and see all the sap going, yeah. that sap that's true. I think it's pulsating. The capillaries are pulsating through the tree mm-hmm. to get all that to get it up to feed the trees, feed yeah. them. But this thing is alive, and mm. I think we connect with that. Oh yeah, definitely. So there's a lot of advantages to planting trees, and it also increases the value of your home. Of course, when yeah. you plant trees. So I went out to just kind of do a walkthrough to see what trees we had available out there, and we have a lot of really pretty trees out there right now. Lots of uh, we got some new red buds in that are just gorgeous, some eastern red buds, yeah. which are probably one of my favorite trees. It's a native; it grows wild here. So why not plant a red bud? I agree. It's kind of short though. True, but not every yard needs well, a great big there you go. gigantic yeah. tree, but it can still help cool yeah. and all that True. kind of stuff. Ornamental plums, they're again, not a huge tree, but definitely fits nicely into the smaller yards that we have. Purple leaf? Mm-hmm. Pur- there's just purple leaf, ornamental right. plum. Right. Then you go into ornamental other things. Yeah, a lot of ornament, ornamental pears would yeah, be another one. Those right. get bigger. They do. Um, beautiful fall color. Yeah, another great one. So the ashes, anything of the ash trees do really well here. The Raywoods, the Modestos, the Arizona ash. Nice trees for here do perform very well and get pretty good size. Yeah, 30, 40 feet. Mm-hmm. And ash, there's a native Arizona ash. It's very mm-hmm. desirable. It's actually mm-hmm. sold all around the country. So you know ash are going to do well. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a rock lawn or something, you're worried about big leaves, hard, hard yeah. to clean up. Well, the ash are generally smaller. They dry up. Great fall color. And they drop off and they just blow away. Blow away to the Easy neighbor's house. <laughs> yeah. Let them clean them up. Yeah, that's right. Um, Zelkova, which isn't Perfect. a tree that's planted very often here, but it is a great tree. Beautiful dark green leaf, tough as nails. Uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of an elm, but I think it has a better structure to it. Much than more a lot of the elms. Uh, shapely to it. Mm-hmm. Much fuller. Much more luscious. It's a yeah. luscious elm tree is what it is. It has the same kind of elm, <laughs> leaf, but it doesn't yeah. give, yeah, same kind of elm leaf, but it doesn't get an elm leaf skeletonizer, doesn't right. get the slime flux, doesn't have all the issues that elms do, but right. it's equally as tough. Mm-hmm. It's not going to reseed all over your yard. Yeah. It's just going to be this beautiful, handsome, just perfectly shaped shade tripped about 40, 50 feet. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Really pretty tree to check out if you haven't seen it. Zerkofa. Them. Is that a Zelkova. Zelkova. Zalkova. Well, I don't know what you were trying to say. (laughs) Mini stroke on the airwaves. (laughs) uh, Some other ones. Maples, of course. Uh, The Autumn Blaze Maple, Sensation Maple. Just kind of tried and true. Do very, very well. 
locust, so the golden honey locust, I think it's just such a pretty tree yeah. for here. Um, the purple robe locust, if you want one that blooms, does beautifully here. Um, sycamores, and of course, fruit trees. You can oh, always yeah. put fruit trees in as well. Sure. Lots of great trees. And this is a good time. Planting a tree right before the monsoon rains is like magic. They will mm. take almost to the tree. You might have to hand water it every once in a while yeah. to, until the rains come. But after that, you know, it, it's it's put it on the drip system. Let it fly. It'll mm-hmm. just be, it'll double in size. You'll have a whole other set of growth right. because the summer, this, is when, this is when trees really grow. Yeah. Summer forward. Ken Elisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll be right back with more after this. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Waters Garden Companion plants for July are hibiscus, maple, purple verbena, crepe myrtle, and pentas. Pentas are a butterfly magnet with super sweet nectar produced in starry flowers on 12-inch stems. She loves heat and wind with minimal care to keep the flowers coming. The large clusters of vibrant star-shaped flowers are stunning in pots and raised beds. A superb flower that outperforms others as long as it's hot. You'll only find heat-hardy pentas at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Gardening and you don't know where to start? Waters In-Home Garden Service comes to you and identifies what you have and how to make it better. Design advice, water strategies, vegetable and flower gardens, soil and food needs, and problem solving. Always problem solving. You'll instantly be a better gardener. All for just $200 of expert time with a coupon to fill your garden dreams without ever leaving home. In-home garden consultations from Waters Garden Center. We can be at your home this week. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. So Waters Garden Center was the very first garden center to be established, retail garden center in northern Arizona. There wasn't one in Flagstaff, the White Mountains, Payson, it was Kingman, it, it was Prescott. Uh, and it was my in-laws, Harold and Lorna Waters, they wanted to get out of the heat. They were down in Phoenix. He was doing fencing down in Phoenix in the heat. He was an Ohio boy that just was struggling and said, you know what? We need to go to Prescott. So he came up, started doing some landscape work, and some friends kind of helped him. They, there, there was just no easy access or resource for landscape plants here in, in, in the Prescott, this central highland area. And so we set it up. A couple things that that we've learned over the years or that we try to do, is this is 58 years ago. So now I'm second generation. I married Lisa Waters. She's a Waters. She's the youngest of four daughters. I married into the family. And I've always been a gardener. I gardened with my grandparents. My, my grandfather was a farmer. Peanuts to corn to, I mean, two-acre gardens. I mean, we're talking major gardens. Uh, my grandmother, uh, my grandfather I lost from Lou Gehrig's disease back when he I was maybe nine or ten. And so she moved in with us, and we'd always sort of garden, but after she moved in, she lived in the bedroom right next to mine. We just always gardened together. And so she was also a rock hound. She just loved rocks, so she gave me this passion for 
geology and wherever I walk out in the wild, I'm kind of an outdoorsman. I appreciate looking at the rocks. It just Arizona's set for that. And so we've just learned a couple things. One, people don't shop for a plant. They shop for an idea or there's certain way we organize the plants for how people are looking to use them. So we've got four basic large display beds of shrubs. So one is head high shrubs and above. These big lilacs and service berries and Rosa Sharon's great big shrubs that bloom. Then we have hip high shrubs. These are medium size, easy care up to the walkways out on a mound. Then we curate a whole series of plants that are knee high and below. These are for erosion control. Low growing. So these are cotoneasters and low growing junipers and spireas. It's a whole series of these beautiful plants. So we mix them up to evergreens and and blooming plants. These are all companions to each other, but they all stay low. And then we have another section of high desert landscapes. A lot of folks are new to, to Arizona and they have this romantic feel. They won't got the style of they want turquoise and and running water on their on their patios and just they want a southwest adobe type of plant. We've got a whole series of plants that are lots of natives, but not necessarily late native. They just have this look and feel to them. This would be Russian sage, not a native. It thinks it is. It adapts well, but it's not truly native, but it sure fits our southwestern or high desert styles. Salvia gregii or autumn sage, same way. Uh, yuccas, agaves. There's a whole series. There's probably six, eight varieties of yuccas. We are in yucca country. A lot of folks new to the area want to have cacti, saguaros, you know, acatillos, all these different types of, of cacti, but they don't winter over up here. At this higher elevation, they just burn out in the winter. They turn to black mush, they bend over, and they just never come back. So they'll be great in the summer, but that winter come mid-December, January sometime, they just vaporize and they melt. So you really, there's only a few cacti that will that will actually winter over up here. It's choyas, uh, prickly pears, several varieties of prickly pears. Um, uh, anyway, sedums do better than cacti do. Uh, so if you really want a cactus garden, uh, it's going to be hard. But if you could blend in a few agaves or century plant, this is the one that has that large flower that grows almost like a foot a day. You can just watch it. It's this huge 12-foot stalk hovering with white flowers. It's a pollinator for bees and butterflies and hummingbirds. It's just a great plant for here called a century plant. Now, the reason being it's supposed to bloom once every century. Not really. Really, it blooms about once every 15, 20 years. If it's in your backyard and it's cared for at all, it's going to bloom more regularly. That mother plant will actually die when it's done blooming. Many times there'll be pups underneath that that will come up where the root structure was, or you'll find other colonies. They like to grow in groups or in families. And so you'll see other um, agaves coming up around that root structure. What happens is she'll, she'll grow up real tall, 12, 15 feet, and then fall over. And as she falls over, that's her way of getting 15 feet further, and so the seed will hit the ground and pop out over there, and the roots over here will keep growing. That's how you see these clusters of agave showing up. We've got three or four varieties here at 
at least at waters. The Utah Gensis, which grows up on the rim. Um, uh, the Grand Canyon area, we've got the Parnii, which looks like a agave, looks like, a, looks like an artichoke, artichoke agave. And so there's several varieties like that. And then there's a whole series of evergreens. Uh, we're up in the, the mountains of Arizona are chaparral, evergreen kind of, of plants. This is silverberry or eleagonus. It's a wild native plant. It kind of has a look and feel like red tip botinia. The one that has a new growth comes out red. Only this one's native and very robust. Animals don't eat it. It, it can go without any care once it gets established. It has no real disease issues, whereas red tip photinia has, it's getting mildewed galore right now. Uh, deer eat it. Rabbits eat it. Everything eats it. And so there, there's, there's some de- better choices, and it looks more southwestern or more mountain desert type of variety and takes far less care and water than, a, than some of the others. Another one that's in that same league that I think is quite much more robust is the uh, red clusterberry ketoniaster. This is a very large shrub. Gets up head high easily, uh, even taller, maybe six, seven, eight feet tall and wide. But they call it red clusterberries because in the spring it puts on these starburst of white flowers, very fragrant. And then each of those flowers turns into a red berry, though thus red cluster, clusters of red berries on this evergreen shrub. It's very thick. It's, you use it for privacy screens to hide things like your neighbor's dog, just, just the RVs out there, the shed that's piled with junk piled up over it. It just put a couple of those out. It will be gone within two see By this time next year, it'll be gone, obliterated, just grows past it. There's a whole series of plants like that. Um, I would say some others that are kind of similar, has this classic Arizona kind of feel to it. Potentia has a, it's a knee-high plant that has yellow flowers. Not just, it has yellow, we've got apple blossom and I think a red or paprika looking color, but the yellow is the most popular. Uh, very tough. Animals don't eat it. Javelina, deer, rabbits, don't bother it. It looks delicious, but they don't bother Potentia. A companion to that is barberry. Barberries have this beautiful red foliage uh, that has thorns on it. It has, it has barbs on it. So barberry, like barbed berries. Anyway, it's, it's just a, you don't want to touch it. You just want to look at it. But that means it's really robust. Things with the with needles on it just really do well here. I think you could also add the prickly pears. There's a a little Rita, traditional uh, Opunta, uh, or the the purple-leafed prickly pears. There's Choyas. And after that, it gets really dicey. I'm growing some Mediterranean carpets. I've got some, uh, uh, some golden barrels that I protect heavily, and I've, I've wintered them over several years, but I know that I'm going to lose them eventually. It's kind of a test for me, the gardener. Can I keep this thing alive? Uh, but you have to cover it, protect it. I've got mine in containers, and then I roll it up against the house in the winter, and then out, right now they're out on the patio enjoying all the sunshine. But that's how you treat some of those borderline zone 8 kind of plants out in your yard. Lots of high desert type of plants can be planted now. They actually prefer to be planted in the summer. They, they adapt better because they like the heat. Uh, crepe myrtles, I would kind of 
lineup in that. Your uh, Bird of Paradise, same way. Chase Tree, Desert Willows. I could go on and on. Look at that section for the high desert mountain plants for your yard. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott at 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Waters Garden companion plants for July are hibiscus, maple, verbena, and crepe myrtle. Crepe myrtle flowers are intense watermelon pink, solar reds, and LED whites that cover this heat-loving shrub. Plant where you enjoy its beautiful multicolored bark and sinuous branches up close. The flowers show against forest green foliage that turns red and orange in autumn. Growing to just head height, every yard has room for at least one, and only available for summer planting here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. If life is a bowl of cherries, why not make them the biggest, sweetest cherries ever? Waters Garden Center is super excited to introduce our new organic fruit and vegetable plant food. This fertilizer has the bonus of added calcium that gives fruit trees and veggies an extra boost to produce healthy, abundant crops. Feed your plants now to help them thrive and grow more fruits than ever in just $27 for a 20-pound bag. Save natural, organic, fruit and vegetable plant food only at Waters Garden Center. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. Now I'm, I'm going to give you permission. Uh, this is going to be hard for some of you gardeners to take, but just, just bear with me. Take a deep breath. Go into your meditative pose. That's probably good for you right now. But some of you have got some ugly plants in the yard. It's the it's July. They're not coming back. Please, for the love of gardening, rip those ugly things out of the ground. They're bringing you down. Or what I did with a couple of mine, I, I ripped out a couple this week, some real rangy Russian sage. You're just starting to take over. I went, oh, no, you're not doing that to me. I'm coming after you. I took a shovel to them, just popped them right out. And then the other plants around it will actually adapt better. Or some of my Centranthus. It's one of the best, or Jupiter's beard. It's one of the best native wildflowers you can grow out here. It just spreads and big drifts will go through the yard. Well, sometimes they come up where I don't want them because they like to recede. It's got a big root on it that's like a carrot. It stands about 18 to 24 inches tall with this beautiful pink to red flower to it. It starts blooming in April, and it doesn't stop until it's fall. It's an amazing, amazing Arizona wildflower, Centranthus, but it can be a little weedy. And so I go in and I just went, if it's growing where I want it, great. And if it doesn't, I rip that baby out with a shovel, rip some out with a hoe, cut some back right to the ground going, yeah, I hope you die. Uh, so, so it's okay to be aggressive, especially this time of year after everything's grown and pushed its, its spring growth. Now all of a sudden the, the, the gardens can feel a little overgrown. Go clean those and cut things back. So I had a winter-blooming jasmine. I took the head shears to it. it. It stands up about chest high. It flew. It's just this beautiful ball. Evergreen shrub. It, beautiful yellow flowers. Very fragrant. Blooms in February. Um, it had grown. It had bloomed. And it, then it had grown. And now it was hitting the ground and now flowing across the ground. Going, oh, now, wait a minute. That's not why I planted you there. 
So I took the head shears and I just put right up next to the trunk and I came up and said, I want you to be this size and give it a quick haircut. It's okay to give your plants a haircut. It's actually good for them. They'll bloom better, grow better. And what I do is I'll, I'll prune them strategically at the end of June, first part of July. I'll fertilize them. I pray for rain. And they recover. Any mistakes I might make, the rains will, will cover those things up with a little bit of food. It just makes a whole difference. And often they'll come back and repeat bloom for me over and over. Um, if you've got old salvias, junipers that just look just barky and, and old, you need to add some freshness into your yard. I'm giving you permission. I know it has some life left, but it's old, ugly, just it's bringing you down. You got this half million, million dollar house and this for 20, 30 bucks, you know, it's beautiful, gorgeous plant out front, but instead this big old rangy thing is sitting there. People are going, why don't they do something about that? Go ahead. I would say two. Can, while I'm on my soapbox, here we go. Another idea. Some of you are holding on to those ugly houseplants too long. I mean, if it's only got, it's running around the kitchen with three leaves on it, it's probably time for a new pothos. If that uh, poinsettia from three years ago hasn't been red in, in two years, and it's just got a tuft at the top and it's all stalk, throw the thing away. It's not a puppy dog. We're not dealing with foster kids. It's just a plant. You can get another one for 20, 30 bucks. It looks fabulous. That will take you for the next three or four or five years. I'm giving you permission to go ahead and add some freshness. Those old rundown violas, pansies, uh, the, the, the snapdragons that are out of bloom. Take some out and put some vinca in. There's some beautiful summer-loving flowers you can put in there, and you can have fresh new looks out there in your own backyard. It doesn't take very much. It doesn't It's very easy to do. Ken and Lisa Lane, we camp out here at Waters Garden Center. We love talking to fans of the show. Wondering why the grass is always greener on the other side? Well, it's probably because your neighbor used the all-purpose fertilizer from Waters Garden Center. Monsoon is right around the corner, and it's the perfect time to feed your plants. Waters All-Purpose Fertilizer is the only organic made especially for Arizona mountain soils. Don't buy a bunch of different fertilizer for your flowers, veggies, trees, or grass. This one does it all. The plants on your side will be happier, healthier, well, greener. Safe, natural, organic. Waters Garden Center in Prescott. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.